Hello, my name is Lavina Ray, Chair of NSH's Awards Committee. In this series, Awards Cast, recipients of various NSH awards and scholarships will discuss the projects these scholarships have funded and share some of the life-changing opportunities they have encountered as a result of their involvement in the scholarship program. I'm here with Jerry Santiago and Janet Tunnicliffe, the 2019 recipients of the Lee Luna Foreign Travel Scholarship. Right now with COVID-19, everyone could use a little virtual vacation. So we're gonna to talk to them about their trip to Brazil last year to present at the National Symposium there. So Jerry and Janet, do you guys wanna start us off by introducing yourselves and telling us a little bit about your careers in histology? Hi, I'm Janet Tunnicliffe. I'm based in Vancouver, British Columbia. I have just recently retired after working in histology for 45 years. There's not much to say that I haven't done. I've traveled overseas and worked for several years in New Zealand and gained my New Zealand qualifications while I was there. I've worked in sales. I've worked everything from working on the bench to being a department manager to my final job when I retired was I was responsible for the 22 pathology labs in the entire province of British Columbia. So there's very little in the lab that I haven't done. Am I an expert? I'm going to say no because you can't be expert at everything, but my big thing has always been learning and never say no to an opportunity to learn something new. Hi everyone, my name is Jerry Santiago. I've been in histology for about uh, 28 years now. I am in Jacksonville, Florida. I started in the University of Florida as a histotech and then I moved up to being a supervisor of the histology department for the uh, University of Florida. Then uh, from there, I went to work industry with Ventana Medical System. From there, I returned to the hospitals again. And then I took a different turn, which was to provide education in histology. So now I am a professor of the histology program, program director for the histology program at Florida State College at Jacksonville. And like Janet said, we're not experts. We still have a lot to learn especially me, you know, I mean, so short in the field. However, my passion, as you can see as a professor, is education. And my goal that I have been working with Janet is share what we know as a histology techniques and what's out there with countries from South America and any other countries that invite us over to be part of their speakers. And so you guys have presented together at state meetings and NSH's convention before. How did you get involved in the international presentations? Well, I think for me, it started because, as you mentioned, both Jerry and I have done things at the state and the regional levels. And the two of us met through our volunteer service at the NSH. And the more we just talked about things, we realized that we had this passion of sharing our information and sharing education with others. And Jerry had some contacts in Latin American community because, you know, he's bilingual, speaks Spanish, and can teach things. And we started talking about the lack of training for people in other languages. And through that, I'm going to let Jerry take over and he'll tell you about his contacts. And I just want to say that, you know, I was lucky enough with this part of it to be able to tag along and support Jerry, but also be able to, through Jerry, make these contacts with these people in other countries and provide a service. All right. Well, with Janet, we have been to Brazil twice. However, I started a little back. My first Latin America conference was in uh, Costa Rica. 
where I, I was able to go there twice. I also have presented in Peru, Venezuela. And my last one, which was right before we got COVID-19, was in, in Mexico. And basically, like Janet said, as being volunteer for NSH, that's where we did our networking. That's where we meet a lot of people. I met people from South America that actually were asking questions and when can, when can we get you to come over and when to do a presentation for us and stuff like that. So we maintain a lot of communication through social, social networking. As a lot of these societies have their own website, stuff like that, they invited me to be part of their groups within a social network like Facebook, something like that. So when their meeting starts coming abroad, they started inviting me to come over. And I was invited to go to Brazil. I asked Janet that I needed somebody that had more experience on a different atmosphere because a lot of countries in Latin America, the majority of the histotech are like in Canada. They are specialized in all categories as a med tech. So she had the med tech background that in case questions came up about how we intermingle both of them histology with the, with the medical technology side, she, she was able to help me with that. So that's how we, uh, we, we ended up going to, to Brazil. Our first presentation with Brazil, it was more to the society itself. And six months later, they invited us to come to the uh, pathologist meeting, which is, was very, very challenging to speak to such a, a great group like that. So you guys took your first trip to Brazil in 2018, and that was for the Brazil Regional Symposium. And then you returned in 2019 for the National Symposium. What type of workshops did you guys present while you were there? Yeah, the first, the, our first trip for the regional meeting was a much smaller group, but still there was close to 40, 45 people there. And uh, I was very surprised to find out that there was people there from not only Brazil, but Uruguay and and uh, Argentina and so a lot of people who had traveled great distance to be there we presented sort of two separate groups of things one we spoke about becoming an NSH member and what the NSH can provide to you in terms of online education and that social networking sort of like going on to the block and being able to pose a question and getting answers from all over the world And then Jerry also presented about the ASCP exams and certification because in Brazil, training there is very much on the job. And so there is no national exam or anything like that. So it's really on the job training. And we discovered very quickly that there's also a lack of written textbooks and certainly written textbooks for Brazil Portuguese or even Spanish, because Brazil is surrounded by Spanish-speaking countries. A lot of the texts are bilingual. And so we spoke about that, and then I presented on sort of general quality assurance and what you should be looking for, and we really shocked them by showing them whole slide imaging and being able to move around and zoom in on the slides, because although the people in Brazil and Jerry and I were very fortunate we got to tour two labs, a private lab and uh, a university lab. They are very much behind North American standards in terms of equipment and, and that, but their knowledge is there and their quality assurance is excellent. But they, they're using equipment that I used 45 years ago to train and they're using it as an everyday practice still. So to be able to actually see digital imaging 
I think we kind of blew them out of the water. So it was amazing for them to see the slides, for us to be able to discuss the uh, technical problems with these images. And then my key part, which I think is the most important, is the two of us also presented solutions to those problems. Because I've found that whether you're giving a presentation at a, at a state meeting or a national meeting or an international meeting, it's great to present theory and that, but most techs anywhere, they want to know what can I do to fix it? How can I recognize it? And what possible solutions are they are? And that trait is the same no matter where you are or what you're doing. And for me in Brazil, the challenge was language. Because of course, although I speak a little French, I do not speak anything other than English. And of course, we're presenting to an audience that speaks Portuguese. Jerry was a little more successful than me because of, of his ability to speak Spanish. And as I say, a lot of the people there are bilingual with Spanish and Portuguese. So I was very fortunate that one of the techs in the audience volunteered to translate for me. And his English was excellent. And of course, he could speak Portuguese. So it really made for a much more involved audience asking questions, our ability to provide answers. So it's really just that getting down to it and talking at a tech level, tech person, person, tech to tech. And, um, you know, they pose questions that we really had to think about. So it, it's a great opportunity. And I was going to say, even though, you know, probably you would think that language would be a barrier in there, but actually it's not. I mean, they, we get so much support from these societies itself to help us with what we need. And like Janet said, I mean, we we're lucky that was somebody in the audience that knew uh, English. However, they already had set up somebody from the university that was going to come in and charge them to be her interpreter. And this way, we didn't need one. <laughs> you know, he, he went there, he did it for free, you know, so, so that was good. Yeah. And there was one of the presentations was very interesting because it was a, from a girl who worked in Rio who started a training school for her staff and she had a staff member who was deaf. So she now has a full program for people who want to train who are deaf and they have worked out an entire sign language for words that you know, unless you want to spell out the word formalin or dehydrate and stuff. So they've developed a whole sign language for things. And it's amazing how just watching her give a presentation and using her sign language with it, how much it made sense. And you could even follow along in, as I say, the international language of charades. <laughs> and to add to that, I mean, that also added to the networking that we kept, because even though after we left Brazil, we still had a lot of them that continue emailing us and uh, texting us and asking questions. So we kept that network going on. As far as my side, I present a lot of special stains and some of the IC. And like Janet said, you know, we, we incorporated our digital imaging with these stains. And it was like, wow, I think it was too much to advance for that presentation. Like, as Janet mentioned, it was like they're using equipment that, you know, for us is antique, but for many of them is brand new. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a new thing out there for them. Yeah. Did you find that they had a lot of different ways of doing things, different techniques than we have here? I, I think the techniques, not as much. They understand the concept. They know how to do things. 
within their limitation, they were able to do a lot of things. However, I do notice that they do things that we, we're not uh, doing them anymore in the United States. However, they still, you know, use that as primary things um, uh, within their facilities. I noticed certainly the things that they were using or doing in North America, we've outgrown because we have access to technology. In one particular lab that we visited, they were doing all their immuno by hand. And yet sitting off to the side in their immuno lab, they did have an automated instrument, an older one granted, but one that was still functional. And when we inquired about, did they use it or why didn't they use it? They shook their head because they said somebody had given them money and donated this piece of equipment. But most of the equipment in Brazil has to be imported. And so if you think about importing equipment from the United States or Japan or Europe, when something goes wrong, they can't just pick up the phone and have a serviceman there um, within the next hour. They can't get parts for this equipment. So unless it's made in Brazil or South America, they tend to do way more manual work. And then when they do get a piece of equipment, it stays in that lab for years and years and years and years. And so they have techs within the department that have become very good at uh, tweaking or repairing their own equipment because they cannot get parts. And you guys said that you kind of touched on this. I was going to ask about their certifications there. Are there any programs at all or is it all really on the job training? Well, like, like I mentioned earlier, as far as education-wise for, for histology, I, I will say that they're more advanced as us because their education requirement is higher. I mean, the majority of them, they require either bachelor's or master's to be a histotech. And for the reason for that is because their histology training is incorporated as part of the MedTech program. And then on their last year, they do like a specialization. And that's when they decide that they want to do strict histology. And then they do their training portion of it. But as, as, as far as preparation, they know. They do want to know more because they know there's, there's more things that are done in, in, in America versus what they do um, in their country. So that's why there's, there's still a need of learning within the histology field. Yeah. And, and to emphasize that, the young man who translated for me, he has his bachelor's. He's been working in a government hospital lab. And so, as I said, there, he did not take a sort of a national exam in histology. He is actually a trained pharmacist who has now decided to switch over and study or work in histology. So he's being trained to do the histology on the job. And so he now wants to do his master's, but with a focus in pathology. So he has to apply to the government and prove that he has enough credits to be eligible to get into the master's program. And part of that requires him to actually have a job in histology. And so he, he was very fortunate because now as part of his training, they decided that they were going to set up a confocal microscopy uh, section within their pathology lab. And they sent him actually Unfortunately, it was right at the start of the COVID isolation. 
Calgary, Alberta, here in Canada, the first hospital there to take a microscopy course to learn something. So they don't have the training to do that within their own country. So when you get to a certain level, those people are having to leave the country and hopefully go back to train others within their lab. So his training kind of got a bit screwed up because of COVID. But um, so a lot of them were saying that even if they want to travel around within South America, it's not being able to produce your credentials and say, you know, here I am certified, I can do, I have this extra qualification at IHC or anything like that. They really do just rely on having this university academic degree. Um, and so you had mentioned that there were some issues with that young gentleman with COVID. So you guys were supposed to go down to the Argentina Society meeting in 2020. Has that been affected by COVID or is that later in the year? Like I mentioned earlier, we had a lot of um, a networking. So last year, Jenny and I presented at NSH and we presented about quality control, quality assurance. And while we're doing that workshop, a young lady came up to us and she said, she asked us out of the blue, she said, are you guys willing to go to Denmark to do a presentation? And I look at Jed and go, sure. But we were thinking, you know, that yeah, that's not going to go nowhere. But actually, she did contact us, us and they did all the arrangements for us to go to Denmark. We should, we would have been in Denmark. Actually, we would have got back yesterday from Denmark. But that's been uh, canceled because of COVID. And the same thing happened with the Argentina meeting because of the way uh, the isolations are going. They have decided to uh, postpone the meeting. We were going to go in July, and then they said, let's do it in September. And actually now we are pushing for October to have that meeting done. So we might have like three meetings back to back. Mm -hmm. We don't know about when Denmark is going to bring us back in and Argentina meeting and also our national convention. And the trip to Denmark, um, as Jerry said, the one tech invited us and, you know, we sort of thought, well, we'll see how it goes, you know, gave her, her our information, told her we were interested. And then one comment I just want to make is that both Jerry and I are, are very committed to education and, and, and that. So like our first trip to Brazil, we paid our own way there. The society paid our hotel and treated us like royalty while we were there in terms of dining experiences and taking us around to sightsee. And our second trip also, Jerry and I sponsored most of it ourselves. And uh, so our trip to Denmark was actually quite exciting for us because they, our expenses were going to be paid for. And so I thought I would take the opportunity to tack on some extra time to go on a, on a trip. So technically right now I should be on a cruise ship going around the Nordic uh, Sea. So that canceled. So for, for both of us, you know, applying for the Lee Luna Travel Scholarship, you know, was a way for us to sort of offset some of our expenses and then really apply, you know, provide this education and that that we were trying to give to techs in Argentina. But to sort of flash back a little bit, I was fortunate enough to to also receive this award in 2006. And at that time, I went to the Netherlands because I was very much interested in 
uh, formal and free processing, and it was just sort of the beginning of the age of the introduction of microwave processing. And so I had met a pathologist at the NSH convention and started chatting with her, and she invited me to her lab. And so I applied for the award, was fortunate enough to receive it. But it really shows me how there is a difference in the change and the fact that in 2006 when I went, I went to this other international lab in the Netherlands to learn myself and bring that information back and share it with my lab staff and the other labs in my province. And now with Jerry and I uh, receiving this award, travel award now, we're reversing that in the fact that we're going out and we're trying to train other people. So the information that we've learned, we're now trying to share. So when people are thinking about applying for this kind of award, it can go both ways. So you want to learn something from the international lab or you're trying to teach the people at, at the international level and share your information. So our trip to Denmark was that opportunity to try and share this and to harp back to something I did say, the tech who invited us originally actually said to both of us, the stuff that you're presenting is what we need to know. We don't need to know the theory, but we, we need to know how to make that decision of what's wrong and the thought process of how to solve the problem. And so I think that's often what Jerry and I focus on, whether we're presenting at the international level or at the NSH meetings, is to try and present the down and dirty version of how techs can work in a lab on a day-to-day -day basis. Right. That exchange of knowledge is so important both ways. Everyone has something to learn from someone else. Just to conclude, do you guys have any advice for people who are interested in international outreach but might not know how to get started making those connections? I would say uh, right now there's a lot of opportunity to through social media with the NSH and being part of the different groups that NSH have. And like I, like I mentioned earlier, that's how I, I've been getting a lot of the contact, people that they see, they see our exposure, people that go to NSH. Uh, I think NSH has been important in our success in, in traveling this way. Recently, uh, just last month, I came back from Mexico where they had the first international meeting for Latin America. And it was awesome. That meeting had probably about 13 or 14 different Latin America countries that participated in that event. And that was more networking from that. You know, there was more invitations to go to their meetings uh, to present. So maybe Dan and I will be busy based on these uh, <laughs> networking that we have through NSH and, uh, and participating in, in training, training and education. And my comment would be that never to say no. So many people sort of look at things and go, oh, I can't do that. No, I, that's too above me. Everybody has to start somewhere. And histotechs are very forgiving of one another. As long as you can have a, a good conversation with uh, people while you're presenting, it's a positive experience. And, you know, you may not necessarily need to start like at the top at international you start at your local meeting start with a regional or a state meeting volunteer at the NSHSC just to see what it's like how other people present and as Jerry says you know the social media side of things doing presentations at teleconferences those kind of things just get started and 
don't say no, just look at it as another opportunity. You know, God forbid I was nervous as hell to try and think that I was going to present to a group that only spoke Portuguese. But after sitting through some of their presentations, I realized that the basic words in pathology are the same, formalin is formalin. And so alcohol is spelt a little different, but you could figure out what the word meant. And I could follow along these speakers that were speaking in Portuguese. So just think positive and go for it. And I, and I would say, I mean, for Jenny and I, it, it's been an, an enormous honor for us to receive the Lee Luna Award. Janet has received it. This is her second time. But when we went to Brazil, their first presenter internationally was Lee Luna. And they had a picture of uh, the university where he stood and took a picture there. And Janet and I, we had the honor to stand in the same spot <laughs> and take the same picture they did with him. So that was that was awesome. And uh, and again, and, and it's awesome for us getting this award because it's going to give it the opportunity to reach out through education and training to the people from Argentina, and they are looking forward for us to be visiting them anytime soon. Great. Well, I hope you guys do get the chance to go and fulfill your travel plans once this whole COVID thing dies down. So thank you for talking with me today. Thank Thanks, you. Natalie.